Hello, my conscious soul. This is Jay Wynn. Welcome to the Conscious Chess Podcast, where we bring inspiring individuals living purposeful lives in the hope of inspiring you to be your best authentic self. This is episode number 15 with Larissa Noto. Larissa is a yoga teacher, a lawyer, and a professor. She's left her career in law to follow her inner calling to become a full-time yoga teacher. Larissa firmly believes that yoga can be practiced by all and she strives to cultivate an accessible and inclusive practice to honor all students who venture into a class. You can reach Larissa via Instagram on at the lovely little lotus or go to www.thelovelylittlelotus.com. In this episode, we discuss the power of breath work and how to use it to improve our emotional state and to decrease levels of stress and stay focused. Here's my interview with Larissa. Thank you for being on the show, Larissa. Um, Normally, I would start off with your personal history, uh, who you are, where you grew up, and what were your early years were like. Awesome. Okay, so my name is Larissa Noto. I'm so excited to be here. I grew up in actually what's called the Christmas city. <laughs> it's wow. in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Literally it's called, it's so funny. Um, it's Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And I was born and raised there. So lived there for my whole life and upbringing, but my parents are relocated there from New York city and mm-hmm. Jersey city. So they were city people moving what to what at the time was very much suburban Mm -hmm. (laughs) so they felt completely out of place because they were used to just being around their family they came from two very large Italian families and it was interesting so when they moved here there wasn't a lot happening in this area and now there's a lot more here Mm -hmm. which is interesting um, for me but uh, we traveled around a lot while I was growing up because even though uh, my family is local to where I am right now they had my, my dad had a job that kind of had us traveling all over the world, which wow. was great because it, it late. Yeah. It, it let us see many different cultures, many different countries and just a great education in and of itself for an appreciation of so many different things on so many different levels. And, you know, really being conscious of others, being conscious of other cultures, being mindful of other cultures, respecting other cultures and having an understanding, which is at the time growing up, I was a little bitter to have to travel. <laughs> but <laughs> it's not going to be easy having to travel to no, many places, right? Like it, it was it, not when I was little, but looking back, the best education. And my mom can speak multiple languages. So wow, that's amazing. it was easy for her to, yeah, it was really cool. But it was just funny because now I look back on it and I'm like, thank goodness they gave that opportunity to me because I, I just, it was invaluable to be able to have that. At such an early you know, young my age as well. Yes, is it, it was awesome. <laughs> I was very grateful looking back for sure. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. How did you get into this mindfulness? So let's see. I took a, it was like an introductory yoga class, mm. which weaved in meditation and mindfulness. And it was at the time, time more of a Taoist tradition mm-hmm. and it was interesting because it was in college so it was back oh my gosh I'm aging myself here but it was like 19 
1990s, I want to say. Okay. Okay. And so, and I became very interested in Buddhism and Taoism and just learning a bit more about different, um, you know, different philosophies Mm -hmm. and different traditions that informed the yoga that I was doing in the classroom. And so the yoga they were explaining was 5,000 years old, you know, it came from India. So there's a different lineage, but then they would bring in all these different aspects of meditation and mindfulness. And for me, I think the mindfulness aspect of it was just allowing me to be more present, Mm. which is a daily, it's it's a daily practice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not something you could just like learn. It's something that has to be continuously reinforced and and practice. Like it's just, so that's, that was my first exposure to it back in the (laughs) nineties. Cause um, I've looked at your page and you, you, you're also a lawyer or did you study law and and you moved into yoga teaching or do you still practice the yoga? So I, so I still practice and I stayed practicing yoga and meditation and mindfulness since the nineties. And I actually did, I did a lot of it in the city. So I I lived in New York city and I was working in New York city. So it's working full-time going to law school full-time and trying to balance that. And my, my way of balancing it was really just seeking out opportunities to find stillness, just Mm -hmm. to allow myself to settle and to find stillness. So that's how I stayed with all that. And I used that practice to continue my studies and I, I practiced for about 15, it's about 15 years. And I was working corporate America up until last December and wow. I left my corporate legal job. Yeah, it was, it was a hard decision, but a good, I was the right time for me. I have three little kids and, and I knew my, my yoga teaching was growing with my mindfulness. Te- and I just figured that this was the time to step away because it was pulling me in another direction. So how did you sort of like navigate that? I love the fact that how you were still working on your career and on at the same time, you're giving time to something that you're passionate about and you started Mm -hmm. to grow. So like if you haven't any insights on like other people who wanted to do the same, say they're passionate about something and they want to follow their path, but then it's not easy to just jump into it because you know what well, you have to yes. be responsible and we have bills to pay and just like yeah how do you slowly yeah. just sort of do that shift so I think when I started the teaching part of it so it was about five and a half years ago mm. I started the programming to do it actually began with kids yoga And then I morphed it into the adult yoga. So when I took my first kids yoga teacher training, it was after I had my third child, like Mm -hmm. he was five months old. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was very little. Um, But the reason why I did that was because I did yoga throughout my both pregnancy, all three pregnancies, Mm -hmm. but the first two pregnancies, the birth of my second son, he was born with a form of deafness and hard of hearing. And that having had him is when a shift started to happen for me, because I think I just, we take for granted so many hearing, like seeing, Mm -hmm. breathe, like all these things that are kind of second nature to those of us who are more Mm able-bodied. We don't always really appreciate, I think, 
when we don't have something. And it took me to really have my son to realize things that would come easy to us don't come easy to those of us who are not Mm. able-bodied. And it was a big shift for me in so many different ways. I just, everything, everything changed. Like everything that I looked at every time I did something, I was like, oh my gosh, like I want to be able to make a difference. I want to be able to help others. And so I started working with families whose children were diagnosed with deafness and hard of hearing Mm -hmm. after I had him. Mm -hmm. And I stayed with yoga for me to really embrace the idea of, I had to kind of let a little bit go when I had him because Mm -hmm. I think I wanted to change. I wanted to change the situation. (laughs) I wanted to give him, right? But I look at him now and I've had people ask me this question and they're like, you know, if you could go back and if they could fix someone's hearing and I had to take a step back because I was like, wait, what do you mean fix? Like, I don't see him as something to fix. Mm-hmm. I actually see his hearing loss as a part of him. It makes mm-hmm. him who he is. Who he is yeah. And I don't, I can't see him as any, like it's, it is, it is him. It's part of him. It's, it's who makes him him. So I was like, I wouldn't change it. I would keep it. It would be his decision at some point in his life. But it, mm-hmm. I think he, he said before what he loves about himself is his, his, it is his hearing aids, is his things that make him different and unique. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's oh, so that's great, beautiful buddy. for him to be able to realize yeah. at an early age. Like that's amazing. Yeah. So I think that that, that shift for me, realizing that, you know, life is too short. We can't focus on things we can't change. We need to focus on the things that are in front of us. And so I stayed with my career while slowly building the yoga and the mindfulness for kids at first. And so I built that for 2015. So 2017 for two years, I worked really hard grassroots. I made like no money at all. (laughs) I was just like, volunteering and trying to get the word out like this is great and that doing that first while still having a job on the side to be able to pay the bills like you said to mm-hmm. not just do everything Live like that yeah um exactly and I wasn't ever I'm not I'm not really like that <laughs> like, yeah there was one question that you said like um is there one thing that somebody doesn't know about you that would be that would, that would, be. That would be it because I can't I can be super passionate. I have a lot of passionate things Mm -hmm. that I like to follow, but I will not just like, just jump and do something. I'm like, no, let's let's take a step back. Let's think think this through. And Mm. here's like the pros and the cons. Maybe that's the lawyer side of me where it's like checks and balances where I'm like, okay, so like, if you do this, then this, and if this, then Mm. this, and that's where, so for those who are considering taking a leap into your passions to be able to live more consciously and more awake in what it is that you're doing, I would say to, to really just take stock of where you are right now, what would it take to then reach those goals? So for me, mm-hmm. I looked at it and I was like, okay, if I could start making this more sustainable, maybe I take an adult teacher training. So I really get a better understanding of the history of yoga, mm-hmm. where the lineage came from. And I had a little bit, but the teacher trainings really put you over the edge for that. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I then in 2017, so two years of working with just the kids and then I brought in the adults. And then I feel like at that point, I felt really confident in what I could then offer. Mm-hmm. And I increased my offerings. I started working with an organization 
called the Pratush Sinha Foundation, where they go into the schools, they teach the children yoga and mindfulness. And that was a big, that was a big thing for me because I was like, wow, we can make a difference. Like we can bring this into the schools with the kids to teach them this at a young age. Because mm-hmm. I keep thinking if I had this at a young age. Oh, amazing. And that's why it's so important <laughs> to, to sort of prime the kids at such an early age to teach them about mindfulness. And we didn't get that. Yes. So I think kids these age, nope. no, I think they would benefit yes. a lot from it if they just sort of have I, that curriculum, totally like, agree. you know, this just have a class of mindfulness and instill that into 100%. Yeah. And since it's you so true, I, I look back. Mm-hmm. Since you mentioned about go, go, go. Like, yeah. being able to let go and, you know, how do you, when you can't control of something, like, what are the steps do you take to just let go? So I, I myself as well have, I think maybe it's not being able to trust in the unknown or something. I kind of get just like very like <laughs> want everything this way or I make sure everything is perfect or try to control the situation or it's just like I have it all planned out. Like even, you know, <laughs> coming like in, even in the future as well. I'm not living in the present, even though I'm trying to... <gasps> learn about the whole mindfulness and like trying to you know yeah be an advocate for like conscious living but this is something that I'm still (laughs) trying to work on which is like yeah how can I just just be at ease and just let go and trust in the unknown you know (laughs) I that's such a good question (laughs) how does so I I really think it goes back to it being a practice. Like Mm -hmm. I swear, just the practice of reminding yourself to come back to where you are right now, Mm -hmm. to not shift into that future. Because sometimes for me, when I shift into the future, that's when the the anxiety in me starts to creep up. Like, well, I play out every scenario that could pop, everything that could possibly go wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And it, it's, so not productive either because like mm-hmm. what if it goes right like yeah. you don't know so so I think and especially when I had made that decision last year and I believe it was like the fall of last it's fall of 2019 right before all the world decided to like fall apart too well, mm-hmm. so fall of 2019 I had said to my husband I like I really I really I really don't know if I can continue doing my legal work because I I'm starting to resent every single project that's being given to me. Yeah, yeah. And I never was like that. Like I could real, I could keep going. I could push through. And, and I never felt that I was feeling like just anxious and resentful and I didn't want to do it. And I think it's because my other work was increasing mm-hmm. outside my passions. Mm-hmm. I was getting a lot more families for my job. It's, it's through an organization called um, family connections for language and learning. And then I had the mindfulness and, my hours were increasing with the foundation and then my mm-hmm. adult teaching, those were increasing too. And mm-hmm. I was like, something has to give. I can't work mm-hmm. a full-time job and three part-time jobs. I just can't it's do it. Crazy, yeah. And so I was like, this is what's going to have to happen. And he was like, well, what's your plan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's my plan? I was like, my plan is I don't want to do this anymore. And he's like, mm-hmm. okay, so 
So you feel confident enough to step away from your legal career that you worked all those years for, went to law school for, and I was like, yes, I actually do. And I said it completely for the first time, wholeheartedly and honestly. And I think part of the letting go is about being able to deeply listen to like this, like heart mind talk that can happen sometimes where what's in your heart can align with where your mind is and just settle into it mm-hmm. and see what happens. It's like, like, like a, like a wild surfing expedition. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That's what I think in my mind. I'm like, we're going to go surfing and like, Oh, there might be a couple really harsh waves that come yeah. and knock you over, mm-hmm. which it, it can happen. It can happen but the yeah. irony was the, my husband ended up losing his job right after wow. I left my yep legal job and <gasps> so again you could plan the whole thing and it will not work out so when that happened I was just like okay I literally can't control any of the things that are going on right now mm-hmm. I just have to trust in the decisions that were made figure things out hope that enough jobs come my way so that we can be able to move forward and then I was offered a job through a national teaching organization for yoga called Child Light Education Company. Mm-hmm. And that was basically my ticket into, okay, um, we're going to be okay. I'll work with this organization. We bring teacher training literally all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so now we can provide education to others. And that could be the job. It's still kind of corporate. I'm working for a company, mm-hmm. but of course, but still, but yeah not the same yeah (laughs) it's It's more like my so that is I I think you just have to trust and sit back and practice this present awareness of what's Mm. going on right now like even just like checking in with how you're feeling about it like if you're talking about it and something you really want to do like notice what's happening in your body is your heart racing (laughs) like take a moment okay well maybe like yeah yeah, and, and since you mentioned like just marrying the heart and the head together, but sometimes when your head is saying something and your heart is saying something, so how do you sort of marry that or mesh it together? Or should you follow your heart or should you follow your head? I think that again is something where you just need to, I, I like my, one of my biggest teachers, uh, her name is Jillian Pransky. She always says to, she uses the word deeply listen. So deeply listening to what's happening in your body to, to listen to like where things are happening. And if you're taking the moments on your mat and if you're taking the time to meditate and to do the yoga, I think that part of that marrying is just this idea of finding some compassion Mm-hmm. in your heart for when your mind is like not on the same page. So, so your fall, your heart is passionate about something, but your mind is like, no way you can't do that yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with a loving compassion and a curiosity as to why that is like, what is it that we're not able to sort of wrap our mind around right now? And then just keep like practicing get, returning to that. Like what, what's happening? How are we feeling in this moment? And I think that's, that's really what I did with me because my heart was someplace else. And my mind was like, oh, mm-hmm. you went to law school, you spent year. Are you insane? You cannot do that. Like, but after a while I was like, no, 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 you can, you can do that. 
you can be brave. Like I tell mm-hmm. my kids all the time, not mm-hmm. my own children, but like my yoga kids, like mm-hmm. be, be, be brave, be strong, like think about the things. And I wouldn't have made that leap if I didn't have faith in what I believe that yoga and mindfulness and even meditation is the umbrella over all of it. But it, mm-hmm. if that doesn't, didn't have an impact on others, if I didn't think that kids could actually benefit if I didn't think that the families that I work with, a lot of the diverse populations that I work with, but I've seen it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, wait, no, it does work. Like it, it can help. It can help with social emotional regulation. It can help with releasing tension in our bodies and our minds. It, in this environment in, in COVID world, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of a better practice to be doing than this yeah because we can't we can't control this we can't (laughs) no one this is you know since we're talking about control and not being able to let go but when things like this happen the whole pandemic hits and we can't like all those things that we even planned out like holidays and so on like it's everything (laughs) just wiped out like this is this is maybe it's a universe way of telling us to just hey just you know, trust in the unknown and just let go and stop. Yeah. And, and I think the other, exactly. That's the other thing. Um, like I, I stopped using the word, the words, let it go as often as I used to. And instead I started replacing it with let it be because so many of the teachers and the meditation teachers I've worked with have used that word, let it be. Letting it go implies that we can just like throw it out the, the oh, window. But yes. wow. sitting with it and letting it be just as it is, letting that, let, letting all of what you feel in this moment just as it is sink in. How do you feel? Is your heart racing? It, you know, is your mind okay? Well, if that's happening, take a moment, touch the ground find five things you see, you know, four things that you can hear and doing like all these practices and bringing you back into the present moment awareness to remind you that you have to let it be. You can't, we can't change COVID. We can't take back. It'll be almost a year soon. You know, when you think about it kind of end of February, beginning of March, we're in almost the end of December now. So Mm -hmm. if we are focusing on those things that we have no control over isn't really going to do us any good it instead just sit with this moment understand where we're at but we can maybe focus on our breath focus on changing how we're feeling like a lot of us are probably well a we're doing this a lot so like we're on our computers Mm -hmm. a lot yeah like can we open things up a bit more can we bring our attention to our heart and sort of like invoke that opposite of how we're sitting and feeling and moving and working through that so yeah that's but I love that I love that how you mentioned how like we're going to replace let it go with let it be like I've never looked at it that way but since you mentioned it like it's such a it's such a good practice to even start replacing it with let it be because mm-hmm. like as you mentioned let it go is like you don't care you just let it you know letting it go and yeah, but letting it be, it's like just, it even gives you a time to just really figure out like what you're feeling and acknowledging your feeling and just giving yourself a space 
without doing anything, it's just sitting still and just see how that will play out. Just let it be. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's that I have been practicing for a long time with, and I mentioned her name before, but Jillian Pransky and she, uh, she worked a lot with how much children. So she has a very deep meditation practice and all of that, the languaging for meditation really started to shift things for me also, because I had a hard time sitting, like I couldn't sit really like Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I still sometimes find myself really hard to like, just not move. So as a result of all this practice, you know, Jillian always used to say to us, okay, well then, you know, let's just like kind of work with that. Let's let, 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 let's let things be like, let this moment be, and let, let's just like be here, be here, be now, just be, just breathe. Like those kind of, mm. you know, that languaging and, and also moving mindfully into stillness. So not automatically like coming to sit into a meditation instead kind of working through link the breath with the movement and then sting. And I, I do that even with my all ages of my students. And I think that that lets them find stillness. If we give them permission to move, which I mean, sometimes our kids aren't moving as, as often as mm-hmm. they should anyway, right now. Yeah. Um, if we give them the permission to like, you know, reach and stretch and be silly and like get your, get your wiggles out, get your mm-hmm. sillies out, like move around. And then we're like, can you bring a hand to your heart? Can you bring a hand to your belly? And like noticing and focusing where we are in this moment or just attaching just little things. Like today I did a snowflake breath where, wow. you know, bring your hand, this is your snowflake. And just like linking the breath with whatever movements that we're making and whatever the theme is for the class. And tying that in so that it's it's meaningful like they they get oh our hand is a snowflake today let's breathe like a snowflake things like that where where it's just it's more um relatable Mm. and also like since you mentioned about how you're not being able to sit still and that's like I have the same I have I have the same issue as well I think it's about like sometimes I think that's maybe how I have been brought up or it depends on how we've been conditioned since we were young as well. So I was brought up as in not doing anything or sitting still is looked at as as laziness. This is how I've been trained since, you know, I've since I was little saying that you have to just go get it or it has to be goal driven. You gotta, yeah, you have to do things a certain way, go. Why are you sitting? Like everything have to be, you have to always keep moving. Is when you start to like sit down and sit still. And then, you know, I have my parents telling me that, why are you sitting around? That's lazy. That's laziness. So and I've been programmed that way. So since now, it's like, yes, I really have time to just relax. So I'm like, okay, I got to clean the house. got to do this. Or what's next? What's next? What's next? There's always what's next. And it's just sort of yeah. hard to, and and it's like a, you start to have this negative self-talk as well. Like, why are you being lazy? Or you, mm-hmm. you, you're you not doing enough by doing this. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I didn't realize it before, but since I started practicing like meditation and so then I start to look at my, the way I act and behave. And I was like, wow, like this, this, I really need to start changing or change the way I look at 
certain situation. Mm -hmm. That is so true. I, I agree. I was brought up the same way. Mm -hmm. If you're not moving, doing, producing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're not contributing. Like it's all, it it is, it is very much how our, our upbringings, I believe a lot of our upbringings of our generation right now. And and then there's nothing wrong with working hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do like to think that too. However, we need to also make that space for the rest and the reset, because I think that that was what I was missing it. And also why sometimes there are, I think why we, I didn't even know that what I was experiencing was anxiety growing up because there was no word for it. We didn't have mm-hmm. a word for it. There was, mm-hmm. and my family didn't really believe in any of that. They were like, no, you're fine. You're going to, we're going to yeah. get, you're going to get through this. You can, yeah. you're tough. Let's push yeah. through. Yes. You can do it. You're a tough cookie. And yes, you know, and, and that's like a hundred percent how I, so I remember that first class that I was in college where she was like, I'm giving you permission to rest. I was like, what? Is she crazy? Like, she was like everyone in, in, in Shavasana, like at the yeah, end of the class yeah. where I was like, what is happening? Why am I here? I was, my mind was like, get me out of here. Immediately. <laughs> like, I need to leave. Like, what? Can I leave? Can I leave right now? Like, I remember two times I tried to ask her and she was like, that's the most important part of class. I was like, what? The end? That? that that's and I look back now and I'm like oh she was right (laughs) (laughs) she was totally right but we don't our our society doesn't value we're getting there but we don't Mm -hmm. rest is not a valued proposition and Mm -hmm. I think we'd have so much more we would have a lot less stress Mm -hmm. I think if we gave ourselves the permission and I don't mean like taking a five hour nap. I mean, like yeah. what we're talking about, which is just like, breathe. And, and all the science, there's science behind it. Now mm-hmm. there's science that talks about how your brain literally creates new passageways when you're meditating, mm-hmm. when you're in that final pose, when you're doing mindfulness. And I tell my students this, I was like, you're building gray matter. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yes, this is like exercise for your brain. We talk about exercise for our body. Well, guess what? Our brain needs it too. Mm-hmm. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, secret. I have a little top secret thing. (laughs) Like, so when you, and I like to say, stop, drop and breathe to my kids. When you stop, drop and you breathe, that's your way of building more brain cells, building more, you know, and I, and I, it's more colloquial how I say it to them, Mm -hmm. but you know, that science is there and it's backed up and it's so cool when you think about it. And, and then I actually feel more focused after I practice more ready to take on the day more ready to, uh, and I think just that reset makes me more productive, mm-hmm. makes my memory better. So yay for, for still there. Yeah. So that's like, that's like the saying, like doing less, sometimes doing less actually is more productive than you're doing a lot, but, but then your mind yeah. is all scattered and you can't actually give the focus on a one task. So it's scattered and you're not producing the best result as well. It's not the most effective way, you know? Yep. And, and I think we're also, you know, when we don't take those full deep breaths from our belly all the way up, I think mm. we're also not, we're yeah, not in terms of, our yeah, body. In, 
Yeah, in terms of like, a, a, since you mentioned about like a breathing, like how are we supposed to breathe to get that, the best resolve out of it, like from, from the belly, like, or? So, so there's two, and there's a lot of different um, trains of thought on breath work. So traditional, from a traditional pranayama aspect, I know there's a lot of teachers out there and I've heard some teachers saying mm-hmm. you should start from the chest the lungs and the belly. And some mm-hmm. teachers say belly, lungs, chest. <sighs> I, I, I go back and forth on this. Cause I, I think honestly, it's just about getting a deeper feel in your breath. Mm-hmm. So instead of just like breathing just here, inviting the breath deeper to dig a little bit deeper and invite it back up. But I think more important, rather than focusing on like where the breath should be, I like to emphasize the fact that if you're trying to calm yourself down, Mm -hmm. we extend our exhales out. So like, okay, hot chocolate breath. This is what I do with my kids. Okay. Pretending we have a hot chocolate breath. So Mm -hmm. we have a cup of warm liquid in front of us. It could be hot chocolate. It could be hot tea. It could be warm milk. So you have this hot cup and you're holding in your hand Mm -hmm. and, and you take a smell and you breathe that in and you're like, wow, that smells really good. And then you take a nice long breath out, but you can't blow it out super fast because that hot liquid will get all over you. So breathing it out nice and slow or like straw breathing where you're breathing in through your nose mm-hmm. and then breathing out like you're breathing through a straw. It's those extended exhales. It, it, it's the way the breath can be moved mm-hmm. that I'm more interested in with the students that I have rather than where it comes from. So like deep breath to me means taking a, taking an inhale and elongating that exhale. If you need to relax, if you need to get a little bit more energy, maybe we're doing like bunny breathing. So like, this is what I've taught my students. So three quick breaths in and then a long breath out. So like, okay. Okay to three quick inhales one long exhale and that it's really funny so for my older students I call that peace breath for my little Mm -hmm. ones I call it bunny breath Mm -hmm. um my middle schoolers and my high schoolers like my teen tween age when they were getting prepared for like big exams or tests Mm -hmm. I was like if you're tired if you're really tired ask to go to the bathroom and when you're in the bathroom, do your bunny breath. And I always wonder, like, do they do it? Do they, yeah, do, they yeah. Like, do these things? So two of my students came flying in the room after one of wow. this is like before COVID. Um, yeah. They were like, oh, Miss L. Miss <laughs> L. Miss L. Miss L. I was like, what? I was like, what? Like, we, did, we did the bunny breath. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Are you, did it work? And they were like, oh, it totally worked. I went in the bathroom and, and like nobody knew what I was doing. Oh, oh, this is amazing. You know, I'm going to start doing the bunny breath as well. So it gives you more energy. <laughs> Just like, so, so the quick, quick, three quick, yeah, exactly what it is. So it's all like so interesting to me. So I, I hesitate. I think I don't want my students to think they're doing something wrong. That's the other reason why I'm not like, where are we? What's? how am I, am I breathing right? Is this right? Or is this wrong? I don't want you to focus on that when you're coming into a class with me. I want it to be like an exploration of what it is that you can do with your breath. So Mm -hmm. like, maybe you don't like bunny breath. Okay. You don't like bunny breath. We're going to find another breath for you. Like 
I just think it's about exploring what it is that your body can do and what resonates with you Mm -hmm. so that you can then tap into that later because not every breath works for every person. Like if we're, you know, I think that's part of it too. And I, I do think I hesitate to like talk to my students about, um, Oh, you're doing that right or wrong. And, you know, I like to have them focus on like, where do you feel that breath? Where are you Mm -hmm. feeling it in your body? Mm -hmm. Like when you're taking that longer exhale out, do you feel it in your belly? Do you feel it here? Do you feel it here? Mm -hmm. You know, B breath is another one like Brahmari breath or Brahmari breath um, where it's like taking a breath in and then that like humming, like a, like a B sound coming out. Mm -hmm. That's a really good one too for calming and for focusing and, you know, exploring like, where do you feel that? Do you feel that in your throat? Do you feel that here? Do you feel it? Like, where do you feel it? And that's all part of this mindful exploration of where things are coming from. Because I think a lot of it too, is getting us back like in our bodies mm-hmm. <laughs> because we tend to be like in our heads. All, yeah. Like, yeah. Here, there. Like, <laughs> all here. And then like, Not okay, in the body. Like, that's great. But we need to come back down. Mm-hmm. Like, this is fabulous. You could do so much here. I want you to be like the scientists and all these great things that you want to do with your life. Like, let's come back into our bodies and like come back to this moment and and really like a a felt sense of like what's happening in this moment. Because, you know, sometimes our bodies aren't the places where we want to be. Sometimes we have experienced, you know, different traumas or Mm -hmm. uh, just the different populations that I work with. Yeah. Since, since you mentioned about trauma, like what is trauma-informed yoga? So I feel like trauma-informed yoga is, I, I heard it once, uh, Hala Corey says people-informed yoga. It, it's mm. perfectly worded because if you think about it, we've all experienced some sort of trauma in our lives. Course, it doesn't yeah. mean it's like a rising to like a big T trauma or a little T, like without categorizing it, like all of us have experienced something mm-hmm. that has shaken us. Yeah. For the most part, some of us have the ability to process that trauma in a way that moves it through our bodies, or we were able to go through like a fight, flight, freeze, fawn reaction mm-hmm. at some point, and then discharge that. But if we weren't able to discharge the energy that happened when our body started to like tense up to fight or flight in that moment, mm-hmm. I think that it gets stored in our bodies and then held. And that then translates into like, you know, that tension, that tightness. It also puts our mind on a loop where like we might hear, smell, see something. And then it it can literally bring us right back into that trauma that we experienced if we didn't have the ability to process it through our bodies. And that's can meaning that's where I was saying before, we're like, your body might not be a place you want to be. So we need to create conditions that allow you to feel safe in your body in this moment to bring you into this moment so that you're not going back to the past at that event that had happened that mm. traumatized you. But instead you're like, you're safe. You're here. Let's, let's remind you that you're here. Let's, where's the exit? Where's the door? Where are you sitting? Where are we in this moment? Okay. Okay. We're here. We're, we're, I can feel my hands. I can feel my hands on my legs. I can feel my seat on the ground. I, I know that the ground is 
here. It's got me. I'm supported by it. Okay. Like just those kind of reminders. That's to me is what trauma informed yoga is about is this Mm. safe, accessible way of accessing these practices that we have, these beautiful practices that we have that if we're not using our language in the right way with some of our students, I think Mm -hmm. sometimes they might not feel safe or maybe we said something and it triggered them. Yeah. So So. since you mentioned about like you say something and sometimes we get in this situation, you will get into a conflict with someone and someone acts certain way, but it might not be a big deal for them, but for you, because you've been, because based on your trauma, it's a big thing for you and you get triggered. So in that moment, Mm -hmm. instead of doing the five flight or, terms that he's fine there's all those different yeah yeah oh yeah fight instead of choosing those how can you sort of have a how can you sort of change that situation like so that way you don't you don't act out of out of trauma right so i think that that's where that mindful like check-in is what I would call it comes into play so like if you're getting into an altercation with another person and let's say it triggers you in some way where you're returning back to a trauma that like we're visiting it in your mind Mm -hmm. I that's it's a unique situation because I think that that is something that you know you would even probably need to work with with like a therapist mm-hmm. and, and counseling to be able to accurately, to be able to accurately like kind of work through all that. But let's say it's, it's just a situation where you're, I, I even use this with my students the other day, like mm-hmm. my two sons were arguing with each other and they were just getting into a fight with each other. And the older one was telling the younger one that he was going to flip his lid. So mm-hmm. with like trauma language, yeah. we're like, yeah. oh, hey, you flipped your lid. Like we always do this little analogy with the hands and the, um, the model of the brain and what happens when you, when you flip your lid. So that's when you can't choose your response because you're reacting to something. Mm-hmm. So you get into an argument with somebody, you react. Yeah. And I think with mindfulness, it lets you choose a response in a different way. Mm-hmm. So then you step back and you like take a moment, take that breath in, take the breath out, and then you can respond versus hitting, yelling, screaming. And it's so simple, but like in the moment sometimes, yeah, it's not simple. Like you're just like, wait, but, and I I think that that's, again, it's a constant practice to be able to, you know, work through that and, and take those mindful like moments to step away from you know a situation that could be potentially triggering for you and you know trauma has a very different angle in it and I think that like I said a lot of that has to be worked through in other avenues but I do think yoga is a great adjunct Mm. to be able to work our body to work the trauma through our body in a way that's more accessible so that you can Mm -hmm. see and feel like the sense of safety being back in your body versus being Mm -hmm. transported to a different, you know, time or, or the event that initially triggered you, but that it's so working with various populations in, in different capacities over the last couple of years has been Mm -hmm. a really good experience to notice. If there's no one size fits all, there's no Mm -hmm. like 
if I'm working with one population, I may not do anything that I do with another population. That's right. It's so interesting when, but, but the hard part is, especially as a yoga teacher today is I can't really go back to how I taught before I learned about traumas that people have experienced because so much of the, uh, of the languaging can be triggering in a yoga class, just a general public yoga class. So mm-hmm. I like to revisit the principles of like how we're relaying the poses. Like I, mm-hmm. I will never say dead man's pose in a class because mm-hmm. there might be a person that was in a war. Yeah. That could be so triggering. Like mm-hmm. just set things off. I mean, even certain shapes, certain types of certain, like um, Nikki Myers calls them exotic poses in a yoga for 12 step recovery classes. So with populations who've experienced addiction or have been impacted by addiction, um, just certain poses that are like exotic, they, that could be triggering. So mm-hmm. let's do something where you feel empowered to be in your body. You feel strong, mm. you feel brave in ways that allow you to move, but have also ownership over it. So the choices, not just saying, you know, we're all going to get in downward facing dog. Well, downward facing dog might be triggering for somebody. So if you would like to come in to maybe we start on tabletop and maybe if this feels good to you, maybe you start to move into Mm. it. So just those more um, permissive invitatory languaging for me is, is really important in all my classes now. (laughs) I feel bad when I go to some studios. I'm like, I don't teach it how I used to. Like I teach it very invitationally. You know, if this feels good for you, stay here. Yeah. It doesn't feel good for you. Let's go here. You know? Yes. And also you might judge yourself. Yeah. So like if somebody next to you is doing this exotic pose and you're like, I can't do that. Yeah. (laughs) That's not going to make you feel good about yourself. So that's that's where it's sort of, and also there's that competition factor that's coming into play when really that the yoga experience should be like on the four corners of your mat, like Mm. this mat where you are not even a mat. I don't even care what you're practicing on. You can practice on your rug. You can practice outside. Like I say, this too to my students. You don't need to wear any fancy clothing. You don't need to have a special mat. You don't need anything that like you see on some, some Instagram posts. Like I try and be mindful of how like I, I'm doing my post in, in an authentic way because mm. it's not, you know, people are looking at what you're posting. And I don't want somebody to look at what I'm posting and be like, wow, I feel really crappy about myself. Like I, I want yeah. it to be a, you know, more of a, just a more of authentic, like, this is what I did today. Mm. That is legitimately what I did today. <laughs> like, this is where we're going. And if it's a crappy day, I'm like, I'm going to talk about my crappy day. Like, okay, yeah. like here's where it is. So that's so, how you stay authentic. <sighs> By just allowing yourself to be whoever that you need to be at the moment, rather than judging yourself. Yeah, I, or... yeah because there's so much of that. Like, think about how much judgment we put on ourselves. And I, I hear people all the time saying, like, I, you know, I'm getting off Facebook or I'm getting off Instagram because it's, you know, it, it feels like it's like I can't keep up with everybody. And mm. and I have have had people reach out too, like, how do you when you do your you know, when you write, I'm like, that is just like, <laughs> like, I'm just literally like, oh, 
this is how I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like stream of conscious. Like that's mm-hmm. what, that's what you're getting. So it's sort of, <laughs> I, I, I felt bad. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. That's just what I felt when I woke up that morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is what I was thinking about. Or like, this is, this is what's on my mind right now. Like this is what came into my head when I was doing this yoga practice or when I was meditating and I was like, right, that's interesting. Well, maybe I should explore that. Like that's <laughs> how that kind of works. And there's a lot, you know, we, we should, we should give ourselves a break sometimes. I think. Yeah. We're, we're very hard on ourselves. That's <laughs> right. And I know your time is precious. So um, I like to wrap this up with uh, three questions. So the first one cool. is to sort of answer briefly already. Uh, share me one truth about you that only you know. <laughs> I, I still think it's that like, um, I don't like to, I get nervous without a plan. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> That that's still, like, like me. That's that still... is me too. <sighs> I get. I, I really do. And then I think sometimes, you know, if, if there isn't a plan, it does feel a little bit liberating to not have one. Sometimes just to see, like, oh, well, that actually went better than I anticipated. Or, or like, it's just you know, when your mind is ahead, but your body is like in this, you're like, ah. so. Th- so for me, it's that one where I like, all right, I'm trying. I'm trying again. To practice, I'm trying to be in the moment. Mm, I love that. <laughs> and what does it mean to you to live a conscious lifestyle? I think it has an element of trying to be present, and I, I know that isn't always an easy thing. But I think for conscious lifestyle, I think that also has an element of just knowing what is meaningful to you. And trying to really live that out in in how you interact with others. Like you could be like the most, I I don't know, you could present yourself to be like the most caring person, but if you're not actually showing that compassionate caring to Mm -hmm. others, then how are you, how is that conscious? How is that you? That's right. Yeah. It's about your, when your words and your actions are aligning. Yes, there we go. That's it. You said it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> when your words and your actions are aligned, Line, that's a yeah, conscious that's what's for me. Conscious so life. like, yeah. like it's just, I don't know, if, if I'm saying one thing and doing something totally different than that, then I, I that, that to me doesn't work because then you're not actually embodying mm-hmm. what it is that you're representing. Mm, yeah. And the final question is, what impact do you want to leave on this world? Oh <laughs> I just think like really like showing the love that's in our hearts to others and being more loving Mm. outwardly to all, because we don't, we need that. We need more of that. Yeah. We need more of that loving kindness, a a real loving kindness Mm -hmm. to all human beings that is it's funny growing up my my brother couldn't say my name Larissa's like a hard name to say for little kids mm-hmm. so he used to call me love which is love why my name cute. is the lovely yeah. the lovely little lotus so my parents used to call me love or lovely all the time mm-hmm. and that just like stuck with me and it it's just like part of like 
like if I if I meet you I would give you a hug <laughs> oh I love that yeah <laughs> that, that might not be what everybody wants but mm-hmm. like if you know me you're like oh she's a hugger like yeah. she's gonna give you a yeah. hug like, that's just yeah. <laughs> so it's just yeah that's it that's it just to like really be embracing of and, and embodying the idea of like just loving others just as you have to love yourself love others so yeah. that's it I love that thank you for being on the show if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you're leaving feeling inspired to be your best authentic self.